Welcome to the Bethel Church Austin Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Pastor Renee Evans. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com. people here. So many visitors. Welcome to Bethel Austin. Okay, I have a couple of announcements before I get started. Who has heard of Ben Fitzgerald? Yeah? Okay, awesome. He is actually going to be here next week speaking on the 20th of March. He's going to be doing our Saturday night service for us. Ben is incredible. He's an evangelist to the core. He organizes these massive stadium events called Awakening Europe. And he's actually held quite a few of them. And we're in the process of planning and building an Awakening Texas. Come on. We already have been speaking to Texas Tech down in San Marcos and getting Texas State. There's so many like Texas universities, like, (laughs) right? I'm like, I feel like if I go Baylor or AM, like AT, AMT, ATM, AMT. <laughs> See, there's just too many. Gosh. All right, that one, Texas State University in San Marcos, and we are renting out the stadium. And we are so excited in 2022. So he's coming here. He lives in Germany. Um, You know, usually with COVID, he's been here in the States, but he's Australian, so you're going to love him. (laughs) But can I encourage you? He preaches Jesus everywhere he goes. He doesn't need a microphone to do it. And if you have a friend or a family member in your life that does not know Jesus, can I encourage you to bring them to church? Who here has answered an altar call of salvation at a church service before? That is how I rededicated my life to the Lord, was answering a salvation altar call, and it completely changed my life. And I guarantee that when you bring people and they hear the gospel, that they are going to be hungry to know our Jesus. Amen? And there is going to be an opportunity next week for them to respond to a call to accept Jesus. Okay? So bring them, and I'm expectant. Okay. I have one last announcement for you. Hands up if you live in Texas. All right, this announcement is for you. I have a slide coming up here. Can I ask you that if you value life, that you would go and that you would partner with this bill that is being passed in our state? It's it's a really incredible bill. Uh, They are calling it the Texas Heartbeat Bill. And what it means is that a doctor has to allow a mother to hear the heartbeat of her child. And then once the heartbeat has been heard, they, as a doctor and physician, have to do everything in their power to protect the life of that child. So... (laughs) Yes. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Come on. There is actually going to be a hearing on March 15th at 9 a.m., but can I tell you, if you follow this link that we are going to be making available, you can go to Texas Values, and they're going to give you the link right there, and you can go and sign up. And it's going to give you a body of text that you can send straight to your representative. And the more voices that we have, the greater the chance that this bill gets passed. Amen? Amen. Okay, hands up if you're going to do that. All right. Good. Good job. (sighs) What? Yes. Come on. All right, I think we should pray. I need to pray. (laughs) Jesus. God, we thank you for the privilege that it is to come before you and open your word. We thank you for the privilege it is to gather together and worship. And God, we just ask that you would just speak to us tonight, that you would open our hearts, that you would open our minds to hear your truth. And Father, I ask that you would put your words in me, Father. That you would put your words in me, remove any agenda 
Remove anything that is not of you, God. And I ask for you to just come and encounter us tonight, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I was praying uh, this week about this message, the Lord reminded me of a conversation that I had actually last weekend with my family. Uh, it was brought to my attention that there was this big church, quite a uh, large church in a different state. would never happen in Texas. Um, <laughs> that had just made the announcement that the Bible is not the Word of God. I know! That's how I felt. I was shocked. <laughs> they also said that the Bible was not infallible. They said that the Bible is a community of texts and that it is subject to human error. And they are a progressive Christian church. And this might show how naive I am, but I didn't know there was such thing as a progressive Christianity. I just thought there was Christianity. <laughs> and you know, when we were standing in worship, the Lord said to me, you know what? Renee, I'm not coming back for a progressive bride. I'm coming back for a holy bride. This does not change dependent on our culture. This does not change dependent on the generation that we were born into or the country that we were born into. This does not change. See, revival is never going to fall on compromise. It will only ever fall on holiness. And we need to be a people who stand up for what we believe. But can I tell you in this day and age, to believe that this is the word of God is an unpopular opinion. I did a little bit of research and it said that 27% of American Christians do not believe that the Bible is the word of God. I know the ladies will understand me, and I'm, I'm guessing the men will too, but you know when someone, like, criticizes your kids or your husband? Like, when someone criticizes me, I get hurt and I get sad. But when someone criticizes my husband or my kids, oh, I get mad. <laughs> I get mad. And can I tell you when I heard that, when I heard someone criticizing the word of God, I got mad. And I wanted to get up here and the working title for my message tonight was Defending the Bible. I thought it was strong, thought it had good merit. And then I did some research and as I began studying, I came across this scripture, and if you've heard me preach, you hear me quote this man time and time again. He's a hero of my faith. Um, he's an incredible theolo he was an incredible theologian and teacher, but Charles Spurgeon said this. Scripture is like a roaring lion. Who ever heard of defending a lion? Just turn it loose, and it will defend itself. <laughs> So I've changed the title of my message, and now it is Let the Lion Loose. <laughs> I'm going to let you in on a bit of a secret if you don't know me very well. I like to win. I like to win. I was playing Xbox with my son the other day, and we were playing this race car game, and I beat him. <laughs> and I did feel really bad. I let him win the second time, but I like to win. I'm very competitive. I feel like it teaches my kids character, you know? None of this like awards for participation business. I'm like... But I like to win. And when I went to Bible college, one of the things that I love to do was find other people that like to win. And we would sit down and we would debate scripture. And we would bring up controversial topics, often so that there was multiple opinions. And we would just sit there for hours trying to win, <laughs> trying to prove our argument. And you know where that got us? <laughs> Nowhere. 
oftentimes we would leave even more confused than when we came into the argument. But I do like a good debate. And so whilst I want to go in depth and I just want to rattle off scripture after scripture after scripture that proves that this is the word of God, I am not going to defend a roaring lion. Don't get me wrong, we don't worship the Bible. It reveals the author to us. Anyone ever been in one of those awkward conversations you have with someone when you first start dating? Where you have to like tell them your history? <laughs> Wasn't awkward for you? No, <laughs> you know where you have to tell them about your dysfunctional family? Not that mine is, I love you mom and dad. But, you know, you, you tell them about your past, you tell them where you grew up, you tell them that your family and your friends, you tell them about your life. Why? Because it allows you to know them. And if we throw this out, if we say, well, this isn't God's word, then we miss out on knowing God like only we can know him when we read this. And it can get awkward sometimes. Guys, there's scriptures about people's bellies bursting open from the inside out. Does, it, does that not disturb anyone else? That's awkward. But just like I have some stories in my past that are a little awkward and a little strange. Thank God my husband didn't say, well, that was just too awkward. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get to know you anymore. But sometimes when we approach the Bible and we have this introduction into some of the things written in here that we don't understand, we say, well, that can't be God. That's just way too awkward. How could God be a God of love if he kills people? right? I mean, I have these questions all the time. Like, I think about the silliest things. The other day, Joaquin and I had, like, a genuine discussion on when the animals came into the ark, two by two. I'm like, man, how long would it have taken for, like, a kangaroo to get to the ark? I have questions like this. Like, how long would it have taken a worm to slither all the way to the ark? Right? Because we think it happened overnight. But I'm like, oh man, a penguin? It probably would have taken them like months, if not years, to get to the ark. <laughs> Unless they got transported, right? You have these conversations? <laughs> See? Awkward. <laughs> the Word of God... Is that better? <laughs> I asked if I had it right, and they said it was perfect. <laughs> the Word of God is not an accessory to the Christian life. It's not a pretty book that we open up and journal and paint to make it look pretty. It's not a tool in which we use to judge other people. It's not just a book that's filled with good stories. Because he can say it better than I can, I'm just going to read this quote by Smith Wigglesworth. The Bible is the word of God, supernatural in origin, eternal in duration, inexpressible in valor, infinite in scope, regenerative in power, and infallible in authority, universal in interest, personal in application, inspired in totality. Read it through, write it down, pray it in, work it out, and then pass it on. Truly, it is the word of God. It brings into man the personality of God. It changes the man until he becomes the epistle of God. It transforms his mind, changes his character, takes him from grace to grace, and gives him a spiritual inheritance. God comes in 
dwells in, walks in, talks through, and drinks with him. That is what the Bible is. It's not just something we pick up when our life is falling apart, hoping for a quick answer. I know that I'm preaching to the choir. I really do. And I know that if I said, who believes the Bible is the word of God, that many of us would put our hands up. But the fact that 27% of Christians do not believe that is a big deal. The fact that entire churches are denouncing this is a big deal. Because I tell you what, this, if you follow it, you may not be the most popular person. You may receive criticism if you follow this. Can I tell you, John Bunyan, who was the author of Pilgrim's Pilgrim's Now I just can't say it. Pilgrim's Progress. <laughs> it is the second best-selling book, Christian book, of all time. Second to the Bible. He says this. If my life is fruitless, it doesn't matter who praises me. And if my life is fruitful, it doesn't matter who criticizes me. Can I tell you, every single fruitful Christian that I know believes that this is the word of God. Every single one of them. I'm going to break it down just for a minute and get into a little bit of the Bible text. And then we're going to just move on to a couple of points. But... The terminology, the word of God, has two different distinctions throughout scripture. So the first is as a person, Jesus Christ. And John 1.1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. You skip down to 14, and it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. In Revelation 19, 13, it says, He was clothed, Jesus, with a robe dipped in blood, and His name is the Word of God. Jesus is the Word of God. The second meaning for the Word of God when used throughout Scripture actually has four subcategories. <laughs> but it all comes under the speech of God. So the first is God's decrees. We see this all throughout scripture, but predominantly in creation, in Genesis 1-3, where it said, the Lord said, let there be light. That was the word of God. The second is through personal address. And in Exodus 21, it says, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. So he personally addresses the children of Israel. The third one is through human lips. And we see this predominantly throughout the Old Testament in the form of the prophets. And in Deuteronomy 18, 18, it says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among, among their brethren, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all I command. And then the fourth one, which is where we are camping, is the written form of God. So the Bible, or the law, as in the Old Testament, and in Exodus 31, 18, it says, And when he had made an end of speaking with him, God to Moses, on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. And all throughout this, it talks about God and his word. Whether that's through the person of Jesus Christ, 
whether that's through his decrees for mankind, whether that's through his prophets, or whether that's through the written word of God, the law, the Torah. It is all throughout this Bible. You actually have to be more hard-pressed to disprove this than to prove it. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Your word, your word is a lamp unto my feet. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. You want fruit in your life, get the Bible in your life. Come on. And I know just because there might be some people, I'll bring it into the New Testament as well. Some of you guys. It is written, man shall not live off bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God, Matthew 4, 4. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit. See, I don't think, I think there are a lot of people out there who like the mixture of soul and spirit. I think that there are people who are totally happy for their flesh to be intertwined with their spirit. And so therefore, this will contradict everything that they do. Some of the reasons why people walk away from the belief of the Bible or refute it as the word of God, I'm going to go through a few of these. I like to know these things so I can be on guard to protect myself so I can, keep, I can keep account of my spirit and where I'm at. So sometimes I like knowing what not to do. Some people don't believe in the Bible because they read it and don't study it. We can read the Bible without ever studying it. You know, I... My grandparents and my mom are Baptist. Praise the Lord. So this, being the word of God, has actually never been a question in my life. It's just the way I was brought up. It was what I was taught. But it wasn't until I went to Bible college that I had to begin to think, huh, why do I believe what I believe? And I used to read my Bible because when I got born again, they told me, read your Bible. So like a good little Christian, I read my Bible. But no one ever really told me to study my Bible. No one really ever told me to memorize and to meditate on the Bible. They just told me to read it, so I just read it. And it wasn't until I had to start teaching the Bible, that'll get you studying, that I actually started to study and unpack the words of Scripture. And so it is so possible for us to go through our Christian walk just reading and never studying. We need to know the Word of God. We need to know it. Because guess who else knows the Word of God? In Matthew 4, we know the beginning of this story, how Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered, he being Jesus, answered and said, it is written. Yeah, Not I think. Woo! Not my pastor told me so. 
not because I heard a great podcast, but it is written. That man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We skip down a verse and Satan comes back and he says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, this is Satan speaking, he shall give his angels charge over you. He's quoting the Old Testament. And in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. And again, Jesus comes back and says, it is written. Can I tell you, if we don't know the word of God, the enemy will use it against us. And I think sometimes we fall into false theology because we don't know the word of God. See, every sermon that we hear and podcast that we listen to and conference that we attend, every single message must be judged against the word of God. I love Bill Johnson. Who's a Bill Johnson fan? Sometimes it's hard for me to remember that he's not Jesus. I mean, we've worked for him. He's just, you know, I mean, I say that obviously in jest. Don't get angry. I know he's not Jesus. But I love him, and he has so much revelation, and I have a quote from him coming up, and he's just got so much truth and speaks with so much truth that I can be, I have to be careful because when I listen to him preach, I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's truth. Hook, line, and sinker. But unless I take it back to the word and judge it against the word, we can be led astray. And I know Pastor Bill, and I know he would say, judge my words against the Bible. And I tell you, the internet now is filled with preachers. You don't have to have gained favor with God in order to have a platform. Anyone with a social media account has a platform. So we're in a culture where we are inundated with people preaching to us. We have to know the word of God. Another reason often that we don't believe this is simply because we don't understand it. I, I try to stop myself from saying I'm not a good student. I wasn't a good student. <laughs> I'm trying to like talk my way into being a better student. But I wasn't very good at reading when I was growing up. I really struggled reading and writing. And maybe I'm not the sharpest tool in the box when it comes to, I don't know, the world philosophies. Sometimes I have to read a portion of text like 10 times just to understand it. But if I can do it, you can do it. If I can truly, I say this so humbly, if I can study the Word of God, you can study the Word of God. You don't need to be a scholar to study the word of God. You just need to be hungry. I'm going to give you a couple of tools. So if you're taking notes, then take note. Who's a note taker in the room? Oh, come on. Yes. You know, I used to go to a church that I'd get in trouble if I didn't take a notebook. Like, we weren't allowed to take notes even on a phone. <laughs> I know. But it instilled in me a really, really good habit. So I'm going to tell you this. Grasping God's Word. It's a really easy and great book to start on your studying process. If you have never studied the Scriptures, then I encourage you. This is a really, like I said, really easy to understand. Some of the paragraphs I've had to read over ten times myself. But you'll be okay. You'll get it. 
also systematic theology. It's another good book. But with everything, even these tools and good books must be judged against the word. Amen? So I just wanted to also tell you a couple of the study tools that I use, if you are taking notes, that will help you to not only read, but to really understand what is happening in the Word of God. I use the Bible app. Who has the Bible app? I have a reading plan on here. I do little devotionals on here, little studies on here. I love it. That's a tool that I use. Blue Letter Bible. Praise the Lord for whoever went to the trouble of creating Blue Letter Bible. I mean, it's just got commentaries in it. It's got the Strong's Concordance in it. It has every, almost every tool that you need to study. It has the Hebrew and the Greek and the meaning. And sometimes when I'm preaching and I have to learn a Hebrew word, it even has a speaker button. And you hear someone saying that word over and over again. And I'm like... <laughs> I never sound like the person, but I try. <laughs> anyway. I have discovered a new app that I want to share with you that I love. It's called Versus app, and it's a Bible memorization app. And I use it to help me memorize the Bible. Some commentaries. There are so many good ones, but I'm going to name just a couple of the ones I like. David Guzik, Matthew Henry, and Charles Spurgeon are my favorites, but there are so many that um, are available. And also the Hayford Bible Handbook. Great, great tool. And so learn the Word of God. Let's not just read it, but let's study it. Because if we don't know the culture that it was written, we're missing half the story. If we don't know the author that is writing it, then we miss out on the style that he writes in. And sometimes if we don't understand the style, we will create a theology out of it. <clears throat> Women in ministry. I'm just going to leave that. <laughs> but we have to know, we have to understand first and foremost when this Bible was written to and the original audience it was written to. We have to understand that. I tell you, if you can go to Israel, go on a trip to Israel, oh my gosh. The Bible became so much more alive to me when I stepped foot into that land, when I walked in some of the places that Jesus had walked in, when I saw some of the things that they had metaphors on, like when they talk about um, drowning themselves in the ocean by putting things around their neck. This, what was that called, that big millstone? Okay, so I'm thinking like a millstone, right, tied around someone's neck. But we went and we saw this millstone, and the thing is like solid concrete up to here, millstone. I don't know, just everything comes alive because I'm like, oh, that's what he was talking about. We have to understand who this was written to and when it was written. Another reason, I'm just going to brush over this one because it's not a fun one, <laughs> that people don't think that this is the word of God is they don't like to be corrected. Second Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Proverbs 12, 1, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. But whoever hates correction is stupid. <laughs> I didn't say it. I mean, that's in the Bible. <laughs> Bill Johnson says this, you can be corrected in private by the sword or in public by the community. But either way, you will be corrected. I don't know about you, but man, correct me, Jesus. <laughs> it is a book of correction. And sometimes that hurts, and sometimes it, we just don't want to be corrected. So we just dismiss this as the accessory, the option of the Christian life. 
Another reason is that because we are uncomfortable with its mysteries. Has anyone read something in the Bible that doesn't feel like it lines up? Are you reading your Bibles? Okay, great. I think just as a human race, like we want to be right. We want to understand. We, want, we have such a deep desire to understand, don't we? I do. But we have to make this commitment, which makes us uncomfortable, that we will trust even in the midst of not understanding. And that's so much easier said than done, isn't it? Before I came to America, um, I had heard about the supernatural. I had read Bill Johnson's book, When Heaven Invades Earth, and he talked about going after a cancer-free zone. And that just sounds like a great idea to me. In the midst of me reading this book, my uncle was diagnosed with cancer, lung cancer. He was never a smoker, um, but he, you know, he lived and worked in the 70s and 80s where you could just smoke anywhere and everywhere. And he got lung cancer that eventually uh, developed into a tumor within his brain that was inoperable. And here I am, a new believer, or maybe two years in, reading about this book that promises a cancer-free zone, that tells me that God is a God that heals. And I'm praying for my uncle. I'm laying hands on him, I'm shundaying, I'm like oil, I'm like everything I can think of. And he died. In the midst of my pursuit of a supernatural God, my uncle dies of cancer. Eighteen months after that, my cousin, who's 37 years old, was running around with his kids on Friday, was in a coma by Saturday, and died on Monday from the swine flu. Six months after that, my other uncle is diagnosed with cancer. And four months after that, he passes away. All the while, I am reading about Jesus healing people. All the while, I am praying, God, if you heal, heal my family. And he didn't. Now, I tell you, that is enough sometimes for us to turn away, for us to allow our circumstances and our experiences to dictate the truth. And oftentimes we do because our disappointment, because we can't explain the mysteries, our disappointment Can I tell you that I have seen so many people healed from cancer? Yes, Lord. I have seen so many people healed from cancer. And I can turn around on one hand and choose to be grateful and ask for more. Or I could turn around on the other hand and say, but why didn't you heal my family? We have a choice in the midst of mystery. Are we going to believe he is who he says he is? Or are we going to bow to our experience? The pursuit is part of the love story. Proverbs 25.2 says, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search a matter out. And you, my friend, are kings and queens. 
and it is our glory to search out his mysteries. He doesn't hide them from us, he hides them for us. But it is all part of the pursuit, it's part of the invitation to know him more. I heard someone once say, there's a reason why men don't hunt cows. I wish they did. I mean, I like the taste of beef more than deer, but I guess I could just buy it at the store. But there's a reason why men don't hunt cows. There's no pursuit in that. There's no pursuit. I mean, they just stand there. I could hunt a cow with a bow and arrow. Part of the reason that we enjoy it, well, I don't enjoy it, but part of the reason some people enjoy it is for the pursuit. I don't like guns. I'm Australian. My husband is working on me. I've become, you know, more okay with them the more he acquires them. <laughs> 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 hey, you're Australian. You're meant to be on my side. <laughs> and this is the last thought that I have for this, is one of the reasons why we don't believe this is the word of God is because we want this to line up with our thoughts and our opinions and not have our opinions and thoughts line up to this. Isaiah 55, 8, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So I'm going to take a drink break before I get into my controversial topic. Don't judge me until I finish this thought. Promise? Promise. Okay. I love people. Well, not that thought. I mean, that's not the complete thought. <laughs> but I love people. I don't think I'd be a pastor if I didn't. But I love people. It is one of my greatest desires that people would encounter Jesus by walking in this room. That no one would have to pray for them, but just with the presence of God that we cultivate in this room, that people would encounter God. It is one of my greatest desires that Christians would become the most welcoming group of people that the world has ever met. The least judgmental group of people that the world has ever met. Can you see my filter? Like... I have questions for God. I have thoughts from God. I have friends who are in homosexual lifestyle. And I think to myself and I speak with God and I'm like, God, in my desire to love them well, can't we just all get along? Can't we just brush over this? for the sake of love? Can't we just like water down the truth a little bit to make my friends feel welcome? I have those thoughts because it feels easier to me and it feels like people would be more loved if that was the case. But here is the deal. If we value humanity more than we value God, then we lose God. But if we value God more than we value humanity, then we gain humanity. It's just his way. And to say that our love is greater than his, our compassion for people is greater than his, is an insult to God. 
to try to reason with God, but God, in the name of love, we should just endorse, accept. His ways are higher than our ways. And then I cannot allow my emotions to dictate the truth. The reality of the matter is, is that he loves people who are living in a sin lifestyle far more than I could ever love them. I have a girlfriend um, who I've known since I first became a believer, and she was in my uh, small group when I was back in Sydney, and I was a bridesmaid at her wedding. Um, I moved, when I moved to America, I found out that she, she got divorced um, and decided that she didn't want to be straight anymore. She wanted to be a lesbian. And so I went home on a visit to visit my family, and I called. And I'm like, hey, sh- like, let's get coffee. Let's hang out. I haven't seen you in a while. And we hung out. And guess what? I didn't judge her once. But I also didn't endorse her lifestyle once. And can I tell you, I probably haven't spoken to her in four years. And two months ago, she calls me, just out of the blue. And I answered my phone, and she began weeping on the phone. She had just had an abortion. There are hundreds of people that she could have called that would have endorsed her decision to have an abortion. She didn't want it endorsed. She wanted love. And love doesn't look like our sometimes watered-down version of the truth. And I was able to pray with her, and it was such a privilege and such an honor. And she even said to me later, she's like, I knew you wouldn't have told me that it was okay. But I knew you would have prayed for me anyway. And I knew you would have loved me anyway. And I knew you wouldn't have judged me. That is love, guys. Love isn't endorsing anything that goes against this. His ways are higher than our ways. And if we for one minute believe that we love people more than he does, then what are we doing? (laughs) Because you see, we love people well, I hope. But his love produces freedom. And our love our love we sometimes feel has to look like compromise in order for people to feel loved. But can I tell you that people want to feel free? And guess what sets them free? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Truth in the Bible is representative of two things, a person called Jesus Christ and the Word of God. And can I tell you, you can have counseling session after counseling session. You can have sozos. You can like flip-flop on the floor here and have deliverance. You can have it all. But unless you have the truth, you will never be free. Those are great, and they create momentum. But Jesus and the Word is the only thing that will set you free. I want to end with this thought. 
I know that there are a lot of us who, if you're anything like me, your time in the Word may look different than it did before you had babies, before you were married. <laughs> Just me? No? I remember when I first became a believer and didn't have kids or a husband, it was so easy to spend time in the Word. So easy. But my life has gotten busy. I've had kids, got a husband, got a church. Life is busy, but it is never an excuse. It is never an excuse to allow this to play second. We have to somehow fit this into our life. And it is going to look different in some seasons than it does other times. I used to feel so guilty that I couldn't spend hours reading the Bible like I did before I had kids. I used to feel guilty, but can I tell you, there is no reason to feel guilty. Seasons change, and it is okay. And it is part of relationship. Otherwise, it's religion. But there are some great ways to get this into your life on a daily basis. Not just read it, but study it. We have to be intentional. We have to put value on spending time in the Word and knowing the Word. One of the ways over the years that the Bible has become more alive in me is by a practice called contemplative prayer. Has anyone heard of that? Yeah. I actually did this class in uh, Bible college, and it freaked me out a little bit, got to be honest. Like all the mystics that they talk about, like Francis of Assisi and Madame Guyon, and I was like, whoa, these people are getting crazy. But I think they were onto something. <laughs> I think they were onto something. And I began to learn and then develop this new tool that I hadn't before in making scripture not just be a spiritual thing, not just be an intellectual thing, but I endeavored to know scripture through my physical body. I know, I know it sounds weird. I know. So just keep an Austin weird. But. What I would love to do is guide you now for the next few minutes that we have in contemplative prayer in the hopes that this would become a tool that you can use, that you can study, that you can learn about and incorporate in your life so that scripture isn't just head knowledge, but it becomes heart knowledge. Because can I tell you in the season that we've had, it is not good enough that God tells us he's our comforter. We have to experience his comfort. It is not good enough to hear and read about peace. We need to know what peace from our Father feels like. We need to allow the word to dwell inside of us. So I'm going to read a scripture to you. I want you to close your eyes for me. I want you to think about God in the context of the Almighty. So just imagine him forming creation with his words. Imagine him standing at the edge of an ocean, telling it where it must stop. Imagine that the God who created the stars and the galaxies made himself so small that he could touch you without killing you. Imagine how big our God is that he could tell a storm to cease, and it obeyed.
Psalm 91.1, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I want you to begin to be aware of the different sensations in your body. I want you to feel his presence cloaking you like a blanket. Pay attention to your fingertips as you feel heat or maybe tingling sensation on them. Pay attention to the presence of the Almighty resting upon your shoulders. Notice that your heartbeat slows down, that your anxiety levels lessen. But as you are under the abiding presence of God, that every muscle in your body loses tension. Imagine hearing him say, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. He who dwells in this place that you're in, the secret place of the Most High, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Can you feel him? I have good news for you. You don't have to leave this place. What you're feeling right now can be accessed anywhere, anytime.
I don't know about you, but when I think of my worries or my troubles or my anxieties, they all seem to just melt away under the presence of God, don't they? Because if he is big enough to stop a storm, then he is big enough to fight for you. The beauty of contemplative prayer is you can take any portion of scripture and you can sit with it and meditate on it and allow it to not only become a spiritual reality, but a physical reality. You can do it in the school pickup line. You can do it while you're washing dishes. You can do it when you're in the middle of a meeting. You can turn your attention and your heart towards the scriptures and allow God to make himself real through his word. Because this isn't just meant to be read, it's meant to be experienced. meant to live inside of us and produce life and fruit and abundance and peace and hope and joy and faithfulness and kindness. <sighs> Don't you just kind of feel all gooey? I want to pray for you and then I'm going to ask Jeff to lead us but I want to ask you a question God more than I want to be popular. I want his fruitfulness more than the praises of man. But I would be doing you a disservice if I said that standing up for this isn't sometimes going to cause you criticism. That standing up for this isn't sometimes going to cause people to go against you. But you know, in worship, we sang a song that we're going to shout it out until the whole world knows. Are we? Are we? Because they're fun songs to sing. But do we mean it? Do we mean it when we come across persecution? Because this doesn't promise you an easy life. And if that's why we signed up for Christianity, then ouch. But it promised us a life. Reconciled to the Father through Jesus. Eternal life. And I will say it again, what I said at the beginning, that Jesus is not coming back for a progressive bride. He is coming back for a holy bride. And that means you better believe it, that we know this book. That we know it better than the devil knows it. And that we don't compromise. Because this has stood the test of time. Not culture. This. And it would be wise for us to build our lives upon that which is eternal. Amen. And not that which is temporal. Amen. It's my hope and my desire that you would be hungry for the word of God.
And when you wake up in the morning, the first thing you want to do is meet Jesus in the pages of this book. So Lord, I just ask God that you will meet us. Holy Spirit, that you would guide us into all truth. That you would reveal your scriptures to us, your word to us, God. And that you would give us the courage to stand for truth and not popularity. That you would give us the courage to speak the truth in love. And that you would give us a passion for your word that never dies out. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.